It's nothing. And I've got crazy. three monitors here, so I can monitor YouTube, Odyssey, and OBS for Jitsi. Yeah, I mean, you can monitor my face, my left nipple, and my right nipple. I'm not sure if. Yep, here we go. Got got Odyssey pulled up. Yeah, that seems to be doing all right. I'm glad everything's moving smooth enough. YouTube appears to be going. Is it? I mean, kind of. right now. It's, it says it's on. It just hasn't, like, you know. Yep. There we go. I guess Live. we're on there. Just no one's watching there on YouTube yet, but that's fine. We'll get some people eventually. Um, Might be a good sign that no one's watching on YouTube. Well, two people are watching on odyssey which is great that's like you and me so that's pretty cool all right well cool anyways hey everyone or lack of everyone it's a glorious day today also known as friday the end of the week for a lot of people for me work just never ends i'm just constantly doing stuff that's what it is that's how you know you have a lovely fulfilling life but um yeah so this is going to be a kind of a little bit more of a uh, just winging it type show because I didn't get the headlines dispenser in time, but that's fine. We did. We, we know what we're talking about. It's going to be a good one. And yeah, let me just, now we have two people watching on YouTube. Why don't we just roll the intro thing and then, yeah, we'll get going. Yeah, so hey everyone, uh, welcome. I have with me the wonderful, fantastic, as always, Spencer, also known as Kodax. How's it going, man? Good. I keep waiting for someone to introduce introduce me as illustrious. The illustrious. Uh, how about the shady? Do you like that? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I should like to, before we jump into stuff, I would like to point out that Cointree, which was not working for a little while, is back to work. It's working. I tested it out. I have this little um, 50 cent test right there that I did. It worked. So if you want to ask anything specific or Pacific, depending, whatever, if you want to ask anything in particular and, you know, we're ignoring the live chat or before you ignore the live chat or if you just like me and want to throw me some coin, cointr.ee slash the desert links go there you can leave a message you could drop in a little donation and i'll be very grateful in fact i got a nice one that i'm going to shout out on the social medias um earlier but it just didn't register because of cointree being cointree and stuff but yeah that's always good to know that you know i'm on the right track with life i'm not just wasting it making these crappy videos for nobody and um yeah so also if you're watching on odyssey you're cool if you're watching youtube you're okay but you can in the YouTube description. There's the Odyssey link. You can go in there and just switch over to that. And also there, you can also leave hyper chats, which you know you'll throw me a few credits, a few under investigation by the SEC credits, and then yeah, I'll leave a little chat and I'll definitely answer that. But remember, I answer all the stuff that comes with incentive. I don't necessarily answer stuff that doesn't unless it's like really good. So either up your comment game, people, or up your payment game. And yeah, if you, if you do like swears and like dumb things like that, I'll address it, but I won't like read it out. So anyway, that's a big long blah, 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 blah. That just kind of, you know, all feeds into, Hey, let's get this thing on the road. So, um, how is your crypto wealth doing now versus like a few days ago? I mean, for me, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine for me. But it, it just depends on, on what you're looking for out of it, right? Yeah. If you're looking to be a millionaire, it's not fine. Not for anybody. Well, not for me. Yeah. You're not going to be one of those people who's like begging Elon to tweet about Doge again? No, I I honestly don't care. Um, I think if he tweets about Doge and, and Doge goes up or Bitcoin goes down, um I'm I'm one of those people that has the opinion that it's it's somehow like strengthening, right? It's like some type of attack on the network mm -hmm. in a, in a weird way. Yeah. And so I already did the um called it the inoculation event where yeah. um basically by doing that stuff he's inoculating the market against that kind of nonsense. 
Um, because, you know, just by using it up, it's like you're spending all your ammo, all your ammo on this kind of nonsense. And so there you go. So I'm kind of glad he did it, but it's kind of funny to see the crazy, pumpy, whatever the hell stuff. Um, do you like, it's kind of funny how, um, over the last, you know, whatever, every single like Bitcoin outlet thingy on Twitter or person has been doing like the, the final countdown on like El Salvador, you know, coercing everyone into doing their nonsense. I mean, of adopting Bitcoin. Let's go with that. That's more. What were they, what were they doing? Uh, they were supposed to, everyone was supposed to buy $35 worth of Bitcoin or something. Um, well, here's a, here's a thing. What they, the government basically mandated everyone has to, every merchant has to accept Bitcoin. And if you sign up for their government wallet, they will airdrop you $30 of Bitcoin through their centralized custodial solution. And basically it's like, well, use the Chivo wallet, which is kind of funny because Chivo means goat in um, Spanish. And uh, depending on, I guess... Maybe they some, meant greatest of all time. In some expressions, it can mean like cool. I think that that's what they're trying to think. It's like the awesome wallet sort of thing. But also in like Mexican slang, first off, it means um, it, it's part of, you know, cheating on someone. You're doing them the goat. Oh. And so it's got a funny, it's like it's a negative connotation. Also, the Mexican, the, I mean, it's in Spanish more broadly, but more frequently used in Mexican Spanish, cabron literally means big goat so it's kind of like a mofo <laughs> it's like a big goat. i think and maybe so, we're jumping the gun on some of these headlines here i don't know which order we're going in but well, yeah, the El salvador thing i'm yeah. i'm conflicted about yeah only because i think it's a i think it's a terrible idea for governments to mandate all kinds of things anything um especially currencies and and stuff like that like this is what we complain about in the mm -hmm. crypto space right yeah. That, that we're we're forced to use the dollar and we can't use this or that or whatever and and but if it's the currency we like it's okay to mandate it i mean that doesn't make sense to me yeah but, but i'm kind of interested to see how it plays out i guess we're seeing lightning we'll be seeing the lightning network used on a on a global scale or on a at least on a, a larger scale yeah um, hopefully maybe i'm interested to see how that plays out which i personally believe will probably be a shit show but yeah. um but we'll see i'm excited to see how it actually plays out and then uh the other thing that's interesting to me is the possible concept of you know uh the way that cryptocurrency is regulated in america right now as property mm -hmm. um so it's, it's regulated change. that way okay. because it because it isn't legal tender anywhere else mm -hmm. but now that it officially is it may trickle down and change the way that uh, that it's regulated here and mm -hmm. so i'm interested to see how how that unfolds as well yeah absolutely i i'm kind of um as far as so as far as the law itself i'm like two-thirds against one-third four as far as the effects that this has on like the world I'm kind of more 50-50 or 60-40 positive to negative because like the actual law being like an annoying, um, it's just an, compelling a bunch of merchants to adopt a thing that they don't want, which is why there's protests in the streets. Ooh, just 10 people. Well, I've seen a lot of extra things. It's a lot more people than that. Uh, a lot of people are annoyed by that because they don't want to do that. The other negative side is by, first off, the government bought you know, however many hundred Bitcoins just to, you know, distribute them to people. And then the, the value crashed. And in the short term, that's a very phys like government style, phys like fiscally irresponsible move. Of course, in the long run, it could end up being great. Like it could be, you know, but it could just be that, oh, all, they just distribute them to all these people. And then the people just dump it right away for USD or something. Yeah. And that's, then, I mean, that's one possibility. The thing is like, that once their their citizens and stuff get a chance to to use it and and you know actually transact with it, and they might actually find out that it's better for them than what the what they've what they've currently been using. Maybe 
I, like I said, I don't know how Lightning is going to play out. I don't have high hopes, but it could be it could be much better than what they're already doing. The I still don't believe it should be mandated or forced. There's a James in the chat, which I you probably hate when I come on because I actually pay attention to the chat. And they, should be, <laughs> they should be sending us some funds over here. Yeah, it's fine. But, uh, Again, if it's worth looking at, it's worth looking at. Well, and he's saying that USD is legal tender in the U.S., but no merchant has to accept USD except for payments to the government. Try to rent a car with USD cash, not going to happen. They only accept credit cards that are tied to a bank, that are tied to your identity, and can be forfeited. I mean, you're not wrong in the sense that that they only accept credit cards. I mean, they do it for the purposes of, um, how do I want to say this? It's like when you go to rent a hotel, they, mm. they do it for collateral, essentially. Yeah. They want to be able to charge you if you break something. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, for online stuff, I have done, like, bought on the spot prepaid Visa gift credit um, for that stuff. And, you know, like for like gym membership type things. Although, you know, Planet Fitness wants your bank account information. They want your routing number. Right. They don't want, like, which is a little bit creepy. But... Uh, also, at hotels have been one of the, the funniest things because people just their eyes cross when they're like, "What do you mean you don't have a card for incidentals? I just don't have one." And so in the past, I've used a prepaid card that they've been like, "Oh, we're not supposed to take these, but okay." Or right. I've just given them a couple hundred bucks and they've held on, held on to it and given it back at the end when I didn't trash the room. So like yeah, there's ways I've, around. I've had that as well. But the the credit system is definitely you know overarching. But so as I was saying with the El Salvador thing, obviously like there's a bunch of things wrong with the law and it's interesting that getting everyone to use the Chivo wallet, which is a centralized custodial solution. It might be just another way to basically get all the citizens of the country under one controllable, surveillable centralized service rather the than before. Where they're doing anything I, I have a question for James actually. Yeah. So I, I see what he's saying about the, the USD cash, but regardless of whether we're talking cash or not, the distinction is USD in general, right? So even mm-hmm. though they only accept credit cards, they're still accepting USD, so to mm-hmm. speak. And so um, let me ask the, the question is, would it be legal for a business in America to say we do not accept USD, whether it's cash, credit card or otherwise, we only accept euros? No. <laughs> I don't think so. No. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know the answer to that. I'm just asking James if if he knows the answer because I, I don't. Yeah, so let's um move on to the... the Everyone was talking, as you're saying, you were sort of jumped around a little bit all over the place, but supposedly in solidarity to this big, like, airdrop thing, right? Uh, supposedly in solidarity, a whole bunch of people are like, we're going to buy $30 in Bitcoin, because you know, in solidarity, let's just, it's like a very big concerted pump effort with like the countdown, all this stuff. Like the two best marketer groups in the space, in my opinion, are Monero people and Bitcoin Maxis. Just they're just on the ball all the time as far as just saying, you know, this is why this matters, this is why this matters, pump, pump, pump. And oh, the nano guys are kind of like that too. The banana. But the thing is the pumpy stuff is like, it's easy to tune out. It's just like, Ooh, you know, like the Doge people. I mean, I think that Doge had great marketing and then Elon happened, but most of the Doge people are just insufferable and annoying these days. They're just like pump it. But as far as like, you know, the, the mix between pump and legit, that's just good messaging. I think those two groups. So it, when this thing hit, all of a sudden the marks tanked, the markets tanked significantly which I think is a classic, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news kind of a thing that, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is going to happen. I'm going to buy. And then the price goes up. And then they're like, oh, wow, people are going to pump the price on that day, but it might as well dump on that day because I'm going to make make out like a bandit. And, you know, that's right. what they did. And now, you know. Buy the rumor, sell the news, right? Yeah, in complete effect. And, yeah, I mean, for the rest of us, it's just like, we've been here, done that. Who cares? But for the people of El Salvador, who just got like, oh, you got 30 bucks in Bitcoin. You mean 22 bucks? Never mind. Like, or however much it right. is. That was a little, you know, annoying. Um, which, thank you to Jiggy Tom or Thomas of Library, who came into the, the live chat and left a nice little hyper chat for me. 
Thanks so much, dude. He sent sent rockets, which, you know, rockets are not exactly what's been happening right now. But um, anyway, so any thoughts on like when this, when we can actually get big things happening in crypto without this correctional crash immediately happening and sort of wiping out a bunch of money in the short term? Any idea when that's going to be over? Oh, gosh. I'm sure in our lifetimes at some point. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Very optimistic of you, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure in our lifetimes. But, you know, I've been, I'm hesitant to, to make my predictions on this because in the past I've always said like, you know, a couple years probably from where we were at, you know, at whatever time. And I've been in since like 2010, basically um, using Bitcoin and, I always thought, oh, a couple years, and it's no longer a speculative thing. It's got use. It's got things behind it. And every day we see more people building things that can be, you know, that you can use crypto for, but still the field is relatively small. And it's just because the massive returns people are getting, people aren't interested in using it. You build a business where you can spend crypto at, and nobody spends crypto there, even though they hammer for you to do that. I mean, I'm not saying nobody mm -hmm. spends crypto but yeah, it's just it's me not, it's me not as much as, yeah, it's not as much as you would really think because, you know, they don't want to spend it because what if it's worth more tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to find, you know, a group of people that legitimately want to use cryptocurrency. And so I'm not saying there's not any again, because there are plenty and, and it's more prevalent in certain coins than it is others. I don't think that BTC is one of those um, communities where people genuinely want to use it. In fact, their thought leaders have also said, don't use it. Yeah. But then yeah. they say do. And it's a little right. weird that there's a little bit of a mixed messaging on that kind of stuff, but yeah, it'll be yeah. fun to see how this whole thing shakes out. Um, what are we on to next? So CBDCs specifically or FBDC, <laughs> Facebook digital currency, right? Libra. Yeah. Remember Libra from back in the day? Oh my gosh. And then they're just all this like wringing of hands and you know, oh, it's going to like replace all these crypto. They're getting to it like right away. And then it's since been rebranded DM, I do remember in particular. So just the news thing real quick is mm -hmm. they're struggling to win over um, officials in Washington, despite rebrand because the U S regulators have been very big on stopping this thing from happening basically and so it's basically because it's a centralized stablecoin solution thingy that facebook wants to do it, they've just stopped in its tracks just going nowhere so um first off any instant thoughts on that um yeah instant thoughts i'm not surprised uh i don't want to I don't want to down talk the project too much because I think that to be honest, and this may be unpopular opinion, I think that it could have some value um, if it ever gets to launch. Mm. Unpopular opinion aside, I'm not surprised that Facebook is having trouble convincing regulators to let them control yeah, uh, more data. <laughs> and more I mean, piece of I mean, the we've, pie. We've huh? seen the breaches in Facebook, right? We've also seen the, uh, those the hilarious uh, Senate hearings where senators try to ask questions, uh, computer related questions, and they don't even understand how computers work. Um, and, but anyway, we, it's very obvious that the uh, 75 and 80 year olds in Congress, uh, all of them that we have are, are very skeptical of Facebook and they have a right to be. Mm -hmm. um, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I am too. I am too. But um, the, the the problem with their skepticism is it's also met with uh, ineptitude. They don't even know the questions to ask to really know the um, the actual situation as far as Facebook and data is concerned. So that being said, they've got basically the biggest hard on for for. Facebook as far as you know they're anti-Facebook and I'm, I'm pretty anti-Facebook myself but yeah but yeah. Uh, they're, they're letting that blind them anyway and, and like I was telling you before the show like 
the Senate is already worried about crypto anyway, like Janet Yellen and those people that have any type of say in any of this stuff. They, they don't like crypto anyway, and they don't know who to go after with some of these projects like Bitcoin and, you know, uh, Dash and that they can go after somebody in Ripple because they have a CEO, right? But yeah, even then doesn't <laughs> seem to be doing very well for them. Right, exactly. Um, and so with Facebook, somebody that that me, has other businesses that it's not an all or nothing for them. If they don't get to launch DM, mm -hmm. they're going to be fine. So the regulators can know where, where to apply pressure and say, you know, this isn't happening until you're fully in compliance or whatever, yeah, whatever compliance sense. even means to them. They have never even made that clear up to this point. Well, let me just interrupt because we did get a super chat, which is kind of funny. Five cents in Bitcoin Cash swears and dumb things. Anonymous. Quite poetic. Nice. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> back, to, back to the conversation. Uh, when we're talking about the thing about Facebook and their, you know, the crazy stuff that they do, Facebook is already a giant power center. I mean, the social media giants, let's just say Google, Facebook, and Twitter together, even though they're not operating as a monolith but together all all of them control a giant aspect of let's just say about the u.s american life right now and sure. you know especially you know twitter just communication and pr and all this kind of stuff but facebook because of its groups and its organizing functions and then its communication lines and all that kind of stuff they're like their own built-in like who cares about the nsa if the if facebook already has all that stuff going on and then right. they want to do money too so what if Facebook controls the money and the flow of information and the organizing and all the data? Like, what does the government have left to control? Now you're starting to see if something like this got away from them. Then you're starting to see an area where the only thing that the U.S. government has over them, other than just old school jurisdiction, is like guns and stuff. But then it's like right. a relatively trivial thing. Once you control all the money, all the data, to just start rolling out the army of Facebook and take over the U.S. Of course, I don't think that's the way it would happen or anything, but you can see why no. they see this as a big threat. It's not like, you know, let's just say um, the Bitcoin core developers. It's not like they have any power whatsoever over right. almost anything that the government does except for, let's just say, the Federal Reserve doesn't like it because they're creating a money that, you know, mm -hmm. but they're not the payment processor they're not you know the store of data they're not a whole bunch of stuff and they're just it's kind of too loosey-goosey it's not one group controlling everything like it would be with facebook so yeah no wonder right. they're a little bit um a little bit on up yeah. in arms about and, that and stuff I, and i'm not saying that it's unfounded mm -hmm. at all uh i just don't think that the way i look at it is there are already other projects doing the exact same thing so to hold facebook back mm -hmm. just because they don't like facebook to me seems not it seems unfair it seems like they're not regulating equally across the board right oh government the, not regulating the, equally across the board who would ever do such a thing Heresy. but that's the issue that i have with it honestly is i think if everyone else can do it facebook should be allowed to also that doesn't mean that i'm going to use their coin and uh it doesn't mean i'm not going to and like i said unpopular opinion i do believe that it may have some value hmm. in a certain aspect they have a very large network effect i could see it doing some positive things I could also see it being used uh, nefariously and I could also seeing it um, over promising under delivering. I could see all kinds of situations, but the point is why stop it in its tracks when we don't know what it looks like just because it's Facebook. I mean, other companies are doing it. Companies that have no reputation whatsoever, um, you know, are doing the same thing. Now, of course, I have the opinion that like the decentralized um, approach is the best because then there is no entity that you have to worry about being corrupt, right? Like it yeah. takes Google's yeah. slogan of, of don't be evil and turns it into can't be evil. Mm -hmm. Which is so that's, yeah. that's like the ideal situation. Approach. Yeah. So um, next on this list is very much just rolling into the same thing about, um, regulators have been really slow to start with crypto. And that's something that like, I, I, some people were pointing this out like a year or so ago about how slow it is. And now that there's actually, you know, infrastructure bills coming through, trying to do all this stuff and people are all upset about it. I have to say like, man, it took them a long time. It took them a dozen years. 
it took them, you know, Coinbase being the number one app in the app store it, or multiple times. It, it took them literally nations adopting it as legal tender plus other things. And then they're like, Hey, yeah, you know, we might want to write some laws about this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's got a little slow, huh? Sorry, I was reading the chat. I missed. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, though. Um, <laughs> they're slow to do everything. All governments do is react, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're hardly ever proactive, and when they are, they get it wrong. Um, so, I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that they're that they're behind. The it's, you know the 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 old adage how it goes first they. Uh, laugh at you then they ignore you then they're however it goes I'm, yeah. I'm probably misquoting but i mean we've seen that play out right exactly with cryptocurrency and and they're at that point now where where they ignored it for whatever however you said 12 years or whatever mm-hmm. and then and now they're starting to go oh shit we need to get a handle on this we need yeah. to start regulating it this way we need to start taxing it this way we need, and i mean they're trying at this point to be proactive but they're they're really just going to, um, I think, fuck it up, as Hill says in the in the chat. Fortunately, fortunately, they laugh too long. That's fortunate for us and unfortunate for them. Yeah, they laugh too long, a little bit too far behind. This is a uh, this is a beast that that uh, you can't really control and was meant not to be. And and I don't say that. I know a lot of like older people I've talked to about cryptocurrency hate that aspect or 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 fear the aspect that it when you say it can't be controlled and it doesn't mean can't be controlled in the sense that like, um, how do I explain this? Uh, it's not like a Terminator, you know, it's not like an, a rogue AI running away, yeah. just steamrolling skull after skull. It's like, it's a tool that people use. And so just cause we can't have a centralized entity control, it doesn't mean right. we as a human species can't do anything about it because we right. can we use it we it's are like crypto. it's like the same the same when i say can't be controlled i mean you guys most of the people listening to this podcast or watching this podcast understand what i mean but i just want to explain in case somebody who doesn't really understand what i mean happens upon it it's it's like when you say it can't be controlled that's like saying like the growth of of plants around the world can't be controlled i mean it can be moderated in some sense we can or the growth of coyotes because they're even yeah, in downtown or, manhattan they're everywhere and, I just mean like the growth of plants in general or the growth of whatever. Like you can't, you can't just decide you can't grow any plants anymore in the world. Like it doesn't work that way. So you can't control that aspect of life. Right. And, and it's kind of the same with cryptocurrencies and the way that they function. They're meant to not be controlled in the sense that, that you can't decide whether it's operating or isn't operating. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a funny thing. You mentioned plants. It's just like, can you imagine birds? Where Imagine there's a, a federal edict that says, you know, we've decided that we're going to put a cap effective immediately on the number of birds here in America. Right. It's like, all right, <laughs> good luck with that. Well, you just right. go like, no, there's too many. We're going to shoot some. Okay, but then some fly in from like Canada, like all the Canadian. Then, well, what about them? You can't, like, you just can't. I, Plants is even crazier, of course, but then... Right, yeah. right, yeah. But birds, it's a great analogy. I mean, yeah, it's just like... So when I say it can't be controlled, I just... I mean exactly that. Like, you can you can fight it on a case-by-case basis, but kind of bird by you bird don't basis. get a say anymore in whether a blockchain is operating or not. You can make it illegal, but you can't, you can't turn it off. And mm-hmm. so that's... Uh, I mean, that's... And that's part of the beauty of it, right? But... But uh, I don't mean it in any nefarious, scary way, like it's going to take over and you're not going to be able to choose what you do with your money because it can't be controlled. Like, that's not what I'm saying. And Like I said, most people watching this podcast understand, understand that. But James, yes, exactly. It cannot be forfeited, right? That's kind of the idea. Yeah, and it, that is something. It's funny we talk about boomers because I'm kind of a boomer myself in a lot of things. Like, I've been... I can be too. I've been just too obsessed with this whole crypto thing for so long and then like as i mentioned in some tweet not too long ago um my little cousin who i last saw when he couldn't even speak is now trying to like airdrop me nfts and it's just like whoa (laughs) that escalated quickly uh but it's funny just how uh you know 
I understand what NFTs are. I understand what DeFi is, all that kind of stuff. But like a big chunk of what is hopping in the space right now is something that I'm just like, all right, I am kind of like having to catch up on. And I understand that for, you know, someone significantly older, especially where this whole, and I'm in crypto, right? But someone who's not in crypto and barely is in on the internet, barely is online, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. email's like snail mail, but it goes to the computer and then in, into the other computer. It, I can imagine how terrifying that is to have like, well, you know, we voted on a law for like money and, you know, the Federal Reserve does this and blah, blah, blah. And like, this is the process. And all of a sudden, someone just makes something in some computer somewhere in some basement. And then all of a sudden, it just upends your entire life. Like that, it's pretty terrifying, to be honest. But, you know, embrace the change. This is the way the world's going and figure out how to like be part of it. It's just like, I mean, the rate of change. That was like a really skillful transition into the, the next headline, really. Oh, we're talking about the Communist Party? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll go for it. Why don't you read that one off? Um, I don't have it in front of me, okay. but it did say something about the uh, the, CCP. the Communist Party in China, mm-hmm. or the Chinese Communist Party uh, warns about the hype bubble surrounding NFTs, right? Yeah. Is that what it said? Basically, yeah. And they're worrying that there could be a big crash coming in NFTs, which, first off, I think is true. You know, I think NFTs are a huge explosion in innovation and cool stuff that has gone way beyond what it can actually do today. Like it's like like the ICO boom, right? Yeah. It's like analogous. Yeah. I agree with you. NFTs are super valuable in the sense that like, I think there's some use there and maybe even some use that we haven't quite discovered yet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but that doesn't mean that every NFT is worth everything that it's worth right now. Like, I don't know if you follow uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I oh, don't, yeah. but I see I a lot of him on my Twitter. And he did the whole uh, V Friends thing on, on uh, I think it was on the Ethereum blockchain NFTs mm-hmm. of like drawings that he's drawn and sold. And he, I mean, it was like he made like a billion dollars or something crazy. Yeah. And, he, yeah. He's an interesting guy because I've sort of followed him a little bit here and there because I, I kind of like his no-nonsense approach to business and stuff. He's become a little bit of a meme in the entrepreneur community anyway, but he's a cool dude, and specifically, his big thing is he's a flipper. He's like early Roger Ver style, like, memory dealers. You know, buy a whole bunch of, like, CPUs and stuff and resell yeah. them, like an eBay reseller. That's, like, in his blood. And so, collectibles, of course. Like, oh, I go to an old, like, yard sale, and I see this little thing, and I put it in on eBay, I realize I can like flip it for a bunch of money and make a bunch of money. So he sees the same thing with NFTs, whereas this is something that's unique and rare and collectible. And he understands the economics of it in a visceral way that first off, I think you have to be born with a talent to a certain extent, but also I think that you have to be, uh, you have, he just sees the potential is just jumping right into it. And it's from years of pricing rare items and collectibles and, having that as part of, you know, his income and his life, it's kind of interesting how he gets it because NFTs as a tech, you know, he, he got into Bitcoin and then the Bitcoin SV people invited him to the conference and he's like, sure, I'll go speak. And then Twitter went, <laughs> and then he, he backed out of the conference. He's like, I don't know what's going on here. But then he found his niche right in the NFT world. So, but anyway, about the CCP specifically. Uh, he'll always said, of course, uh, the translation of CCP is worried we're not getting a cut of the action. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a little bit, but it's more that the CCP has been doing stuff like limiting the amount of time that the Chinese youth can play video games and stuff like that. They're like, oh, it's spending too much time online. We need to do something about this. They're becoming, <laughs> the CCP is becoming more authoritarian is a phrase I'd never thought I'd have to say, but it's kind of true. <laughs> They're sort of crank down and I guess they see NFTs as frivolous and they're just talking smack. But anyway, who asked the CCP what they thought of NFTs? <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. Do. You know, the funny thing about NFTs is I never really saw, uh, I, I'm not a collector by any means. Mm. I never really saw the value in NFTs. I mean, I see the, the value and the underlying, um, underlying idea, but I, I hadn't seen a project that to me, 
I was like, oh yeah, I'd pay money for that, mm. you know? And again, I'm not a collector um, until, so random until fact, some then. of you know about me, some of, some, of, some of me, some of you know this about me, some of you don't, but I watch um, like rap battles online. Okay. And uh, there is a, a, a league, professional league called King of the Dot. And I think they're located in Toronto, Canada, but uh, they have, they hold battles all over the world. And I went to their website one day and it said something like own a piece of rap battle history. And it was like epic rare moments or whatever. And they take like little video clips from the rap battles and they, they issue them like a trading card in a way. And they have um, rarity levels, like they issue X number of them or whatever. And I'm not a collector, but I do watch rap battles. And I kind of was like, I would actually buy some of these. Mm. And, and that's kind of the funny thing about it is if you're not a collector, you don't see the value in NFTs, right? And so, uh, like James says, you could screenshot any NFT, right? Yes, you could. Print it out, make a poster of it, hang it on the wall. Yes, you could. But it's the same concept as you can have a picture or even a canvas made of the Mona Lisa and put it on your wall. But you don't have the Mona Lisa, right? Also, now, you can... I don't care about the Mona Lisa, so it doesn't matter to me. But harsh. it does matter to some people. You just have to have like that type of interest in whatever it is that you're collecting, right? Whether it's rare art or in my case, battle rap stuff. I can watch the rap battle over and over on YouTube. I don't need to own a little video clip of it and pay money for it. But honestly, I would. And it just happens to be something that I'm interested in that actually struck that chord in the right way. And I went, damn, I see it. But it just has to be something that you're interested in in order for it to really make it click, I think. Yeah, it's not just yeah. an interest in my view. It's also if just someone makes that of the clip, I don't care. But if the artist involved in that is like, see this sweet disc track that I did on this, like I'm selling this, that a piece of myself, sure, you can look right. it up on YouTube, but I'm selling it of me. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I want that part. And especially right, exactly like, like in this case, that NFT is made by the official league. And so when, mm -hmm. like if somebody else, like if I, if, if, if you just made, took a little clip of that YouTube video and put it on, I wouldn't buy that from you. Mm-hmm but I would buy it from the league, you know, and I don't know why that is like, it's hard to explain the psychology behind that, but it is something that does have some value to me personally. And I recognize that it doesn't have any value to you guys. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's kind of the thing behind NFTs. And I, and I never really found a good way to explain it to people. I always just said, I think there's value in the technology, but I don't see anything out that's valuable right now. Yeah. And of course and, the, it's funny just how many of these things can be explained by basic economics, supply and demand, right? There's a de yeah. supply and demand setting prices. That's really it. Where if there is a supply, if there is a demand for something and then there is a supply of it and the supply is restricted enough, you know, scarcity, then that will increase the price of the individual item based on that same demand. So right. it's just like, what is scare? What, what people aren't seeing with NFTs, what they don't understand is what is scarce because they're non-fungible. Right. They're not one. They're very unique. Each one is each one or each set or whatever is a unique thing. And you're like, well, you know, Bitcoin, you can duplicate Bitcoin. In fact, it's been done over and over and over, but on the main chain, which has like all the, you know, trust behind it or whatever, there's only, so many coins you cannot replicate that so what is it with an nft that's actually scarce because or what do people value and that that's right scarce? and it's the reputation or brand behind the issuer essentially yeah just like it is with photographers or artists like the highest selling photo in the world is a picture of a fucking lake on a cloudy day mm -hmm. it was like millions of dollars the next highest selling photo in the world by the same artist i believe is a picture at a dollar store just a picture of of the like racks mm. of dollar shit yeah it's like, kind of dumb but whatever it's, it's not no, it's super it. dumb if, if you look at the photo i looked at it and i'm not a photographer i'm not interested in photography but i look at the photo and i'm like i wouldn't pay two dollars for that photo let alone several million like mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me but that 
artist, whoever he was, built up his reputation within the photo community, I could go take that exact same picture from that exact same bench and nobody's buying it from me for that amount of money. But he took that picture and that's why that picture is worth money. Mm-hmm. It's just the same with the mm-hmm. NFTs. And like we were talking about, like you wouldn't necessarily buy um, a clip of a song from from me. Like if I took a clip of an Eminem song and I was selling it as an NFT, nobody's buying it. But if Eminem took a clip of an Eminem song and put it out, yeah, that yeah. might be worth some money. That's true. And that's what's scarce is the artist's intent. Now, right. we've seen this, though, in the beginning stages of the NFTs where some people have done stuff like um, some people have done stuff like take a tweet like a Jack Dorsey tweet and try to sell it. And it's like, well, you're not Jack Dorsey. Why would I pay for right. that? Those things in the future will have no um, value. I don't think. Right. However, I don't think so either. However, that one in particular might because it's a part of like NFT history. Even though it's not Jack Dorsey's, it's made of his first tweet, but it's some random dude who just did it. It's just like right, but because oh, it's the was... first of its kind, it might have value in that in that aspect. And I agree. Yeah. But so the bottom line is, I do believe that there is somewhat of a hype bubble with NFTs. I think that a lot of the things that have value now will not have value in the long run. But I do believe that there's value in the technology value in the idea it's just the next step in the evolution of artwork right it's like you have pictures that hang hang on a wall and i keep coming back to this uh, example or analogy of the mona lisa Mm -hmm. i could literally even pay someone to paint me a copy of it but it's not the mona lisa it doesn't have the same value i couldn't resell it to Mm -hmm. somebody and say here is a painted picture of the mona lisa yeah it doesn't matter and now the thing about NFTs and how, first off, you can, I think they become a lot harder to steal than traditional artwork, depending on how you do it, because especially sure. if you can you, track the ownership, so it's yeah, verifiable proof. Yeah. If you combine the ownership with, you know, whatever digital proof of an owner it is, it becomes a little bit of, um, it becomes a little bit of an annoyance there to try to do that. But also when you the fact that you can store it anywhere, like in your phone, for example, and you can, can you imagine dragging around a painting and then just showing it off at, you know, parties and stuff like, look, I got this one. Oh, it's mine. Or what if you want to use it for special things, like special access to things? Like I've said before, you know, you, let's just say you're watching, you know, you're watching some basketball game and someone gets a sweet dunk and then they sell that dunk to just like a few different people as an NFT, you buy it because you just want to capture that moment from the official, you know, sports team or whatever. But right. then years later, there's like an MVP like or there's a like a VIP party and they only let people in who own that thing. And so you have to show up with your NFT to just say, let me in. And then all of a sudden it becomes a lot more like real world value, you know, than before. So yeah, I think that's a, right. that's a lot and that's of kind of what V friends is doing. Like, one of the things that Gary v, Gary V offers with some of his NFTs are like, uh, I don't remember if it's lifetime or whatever it is, but it's it's entry into the the V Friends conference or Gary V conference, some conference he put together essentially. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's its own NFT, but it's also a ticket. And like one of my one of my friends who also has a podcast. Um, but not a crypto podcast. It's not related. Oh, thank you. Um, but uh, he he has one of these V Friends NFTs, and he's been offered a lot of money for it, but he won't give it up because that's his entry to the conference. Yeah, or even if it, he didn't want to go to the conference, he just it's just his thing. Um, right. Well, let's roll into the last one to wrap it up, which is from this was actually a thing by Coin Telegraph. Uh, uh, Mac, I might Mac. have to let you talk about this one by yourself. Yeah, but I'm just going to read off a little bit of the stuff and then we can just like riff on it because it's a pretty regular sort of a, and by the way, just said, um, Gary Vee is the biggest hustler I've ever seen. Yeah, man, that guy knows sales. He, I mean, knows, I agree. Like, he knows the money, which is like, it's in the blood. It's not just in his training. But anyway, the Cointelegraph magazine had this little report thing on how the crypto workforce changed in the pandemic. Um, this is the pandemic has put hundreds of thousands of business out of action, et cetera, et cetera. But crypto thrived in this distributed environment 
as the world clamped down on everyone and was forced to decentralize the crypto world shown. And makes perfect this, sense, right? Yeah, the CEO and co-founder of Indoors said this thing. Um, although the pandemic accelerated remote work and adoption of decentralized workforce at an unprecedented scale, it was already a norm within the crypto industry before the pandemic struck. True. So let me. I, uh, I I do I do have to sign off here real quick. And um, as you guys can see, I mean, I am at work. Um, so yeah, I do got to sign off. I'm going to let you handle this one on your own here. But uh, I mean, just a quick signing off words. I mm -hmm. think absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, crypto is a natural fit for a, an environment where people are doing things remotely, digitally, mm -hmm. you know, um, makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, you can speak on that pretty well, too, since you've been living off crypto for the last 30 years, Joel. No, I haven't. I've been alive for not that much longer than that. But anyway, yeah, thanks for joining. Um, have fun. Don't get kicked out or fired or anything. I'll just wrap this up. But yeah, thanks a bunch for being on. Yeah. Have a good one, guys. Good to see everybody. Um, Green screen at work. I wish. Yeah. It, it really is at work. You can probably see it it's probably being washed out from the. I don't even know how to rotate it. Oh, I see a pink slip coming in through the window. You better get off quick before they get you. All right. Yeah. All right. See you, see you later. All right. So just to wrap this this whole thing up, because we were basically getting up to the end of this thing anyway. Uh, basically, yeah, I've remarked in my own life. I, it's changed almost nothing in the past year or so. The things have just gotten better. Like I haven't had difficulties engaging with different people online. I haven't because you know, it's just been already online and decentralized anyway. In fact, the whole like Zoom happy hour deal, which became just a thing, like oh wow, we can pretend we're normal again, get our wine in front of Zoom, and like that is something that we've been doing here on after the digital cash run now, but especially the dash podcast, which by the way is coming next. We've been doing that for years, years, <laughs> been doing that for years where we just all over the world. Some of us, or most of us pseudonymous, some of us popping in without like pictures using a little voice garbler or whatever. It just doesn't matter. We've just been hanging out in this way as our social life anyway and so nothing really changed that much and it's just kind of funny how the rest of the world is scrambling to catch up on this kind of thing um i did get a super chat let me just read this thing real quick and then we can just wrap up the podcast all right um has oh god he just after he left um has spencer kept up with the latest on thor chain coming back online and ecash does he have a take on how ecash is doing a proof of work consensus version of avalanche on a side chain well it's specifically targeted towards spencer unfortunately so he's not here right now but i'm sure we'll find a way to get him get his take on this or whatever but yeah um door chain will hopefully be back online pretty soon i think it is for certain pairs they're doing a after all the nonsense that they've dealt with with the um the chaos net and breaking things too fast and all that um yeah Hopefully pretty soon. Ecash is interesting. As I have um, mentioned before, um, Ecash, of course, is the Bitcoin ABC, which is a fork of Bitcoin Cash, which is a fork of Bitcoin. And they rebranded Ecash, multiply the denomination by 1 million. So, for example, someone, I, I got a 1 BCH ABC tip that is 1 million Ecash, you know. Not to be alone to like impressing with my whale games here. It's very small. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how long I'll hold it anyway. But just, um, it, I think it's an interesting thing. It's basically, um, for the longest time, I've been a fan of Dash specifically. Of course, it's on the shirt. I'm doing the Dash podcast right after this. Uh, and not just for, you know, whatever, whatever reasons. For reasons where I, I think that the mix got a lot of things right. Right. It's not just, oh, we're going to do a single feature and do something different, you know, whereas we're going to solve governance. We're going to solve scaling. We're going to solve incentivization. We're going to actually make this thing useful as digital cash, all that kind of stuff. And so projects that do similar things, like, for example, that's something that sort of piqued my interest in uh, Horizon, then called Zencash, was their Dashify Zcash kind of, you know, idea of doing things. And then, of course, they ended up pivoting to a sidechain platform and Zendu and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's 
it's something like that about I don't know exactly what I think about eCash, but I know they have protocol level development funding, which is a must these days. Um, although it's in a centralized way, it's not really a, a DAO, but it is what it is. And they're trying to work on, you know, a, a base kind of a proof of work, proof of stake type hybrid, I believe, which, you know, makes sense to me too. I don't really like pure of either ones as much. Um, and I like that they're taking things seriously, not just like hand waving away about zero conf. Oh, you can send transaction. It's unconfirmed, but it works. It's going to be fine. Like that never, I never bought that or we'll just make blocks confirm way faster. And you know, every 10 seconds you'll get a block and you'll like, nah, I like that they're actually trying something else. And I do also like the build something on top that doesn't mess up with a base money layer kind of thing. It's also very, you know, dash like, like instant send with dash is on top of base, you know, Nakamoto consensus. So if for whatever reason something happens to the masternodes, your transactions still go through like normal, like a, a normal crypto. And so it'll be very interesting to see how things progress from there. That's all I'm saying is um, it'll be pretty interesting. And you know, maybe I'll have uh, some other people on on that in the future. But anyway, thanks everyone for watching. It's or listening, whatever. Again, don't want the audio only people to get cranky when they're listening to this next day or whatever. But it's time for the Dash podcast next. And if you're on Odyssey, it will be continued on. You just stay on the Odyssey link right next. You're going to just see the Dash podcast in like 10 or so minutes. And, well, fewer than 10 minutes, I guess. Like seven minutes or something like that. So if that's where you're watching, I like it when you launch it there. I like it when you do that. <laughs> you just stay on and it'll be it'll be there. So if not, then yeah. You can just wait for a new YouTube window to pop in. We're going to have Marshall Greenwald, the guy behind Craypay, which is the the mass adoption in the U.S. company for Dash, at least. So if you haven't gone to dashdirect.org, you should probably, but whatever. Let's just wait until the next one. Anyway, like, comment, share, subscribe. Thanks for all the donations and stuff. If you got one in that was after the timer more than this, I'll address that on the social medias, which you should probably follow me on, the Twitters, etc. So anyway... Um, thanks for watching everyone and I will see you guys either in a few minutes or next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.